There we go. We got a good crowd tonight, it looks like. Appreciate everybody for being here. It's always encouraging to me to see everybody so talkative and encouraging one another. And I can't think of any place I'd rather be on a Wednesday night than right here. And uh, we're glad that you're here and we want to make sure that we invite you to come back to be with us on Sunday, 930 uh, for our worship and then at five o'clock for our Bible classes. I uh, hope you got one of the bulletins with you. Uh, if you did not, please get one before you leave. Uh, in conjunction with the bulletin, we had some email difficulties today. So if you are accustomed to getting the bulletin by email, uh, something didn't go just right today, and we'll hopefully get that corrected tomorrow, but you can always pick one up tonight. So please note that. Also on the front of the bulletin, there's information about the Fried Hardeman Lectureship that begins this coming Sunday. There's also a uh, web uh, address where you can go and listen to the uh, auditorium lectures online, live stream, and uh, that's always good. So take advantage of that. This is right in our own backyard, and it's something that's very, very good. I have an update on our six, some new additions. Of course, Jody Long uh, had his procedure today, surgery to prepare uh, his broken hand. Uh, it went very well. He's at home. He's very sore, and uh, we want to remember him in our prayers. Also, Joyce Morris is now at Landmark in room 106, and uh, she requests our prayers as she undergoes rehab. Sister Marilyn Martin is, was feeling better yesterday, but she hasn't had a good day today, and she also wants us to pray for her. Uh, we want to remember Merle and uh, Maydean Crow. Uh, Merle is home with the flu. Uh, Maydine has, you know, symptoms, but her test was negative, but they're both at home sick. We want to remember them in our prayers. Also, Sister Elaine Davenport is unable to be here tonight uh, because of her back. We want to remember Sister Janita Estes uh, tomorrow as she will be uh, going to Tupelo to undergo some tests, and we want to pray that uh, those uh, tests will turn out uh, in a good way. Also, uh, Ricky Neves is scheduled to have surgery tomorrow, uh, very serious and extensive surgery at MD Anderson uh, to take care of uh, cancer uh, in his mouth and his jaw, and we want to pray for good results in that. Also, Scott Pittman, uh, the brother of our Joey Pittman, is uh, home following surgery and uh, we want to continue to pray for him as he recovers from sh so shoulder surgery. Uh, there's a lot of things about Lads to Leaders. I'm not gonna go over all these. You've got the bulletin, but just note, there's several Lads to Leaders events, practices, and so forth coming up. Please check that out. Also, everyone who is going to CYC is asked to meet this coming Sunday night following our Bible classes, and you're to meet in the front of the auditorium. Uh, we're about to begin a new quarter, uh, Bible classes. I'm really excited about uh, the classes that are going to begin on Sunday night and will continue on Wednesday night. There's a list of these classes in the bulletin. I hope you'll look at these and make your plans to be present. I'm excited about the class I'm going to be teaching in here on Sunday night. We're going to talk about corporate worship, and uh, we're going to talk about what worship is, how we establish Bible authority, and why we do what we do when we participate in the various acts of worship. 
So I think it'll be a very encouraging study, a very inf informational study uh, for you in the auditorium on Sunday night. So I hope you'll make your plans to be here then. We want to express our sympathy to Drew Devon in the death of his uh, grandmother, uh, Lenora Johnson. Uh, that funeral was last week, and I have a card that I was given tonight uh, from Lena and Drew Devon. It says, we would like to thank everyone for the phone calls, prayers, food, visits during the loss of our mother and grandmother, uh, Lenova Johnson. We love our church family. We very much appreciate every act of kindness shown on our behalf. So we again want to continue to pray for them. Uh, tomorrow night, the Freed Harmon Associates are going to meet. Uh, the meeting will begin at six for members, and then all friends are invited to come at 645 uh, for the annual auction, which is always a great time as uh, they support the Freed Hardeman students with lectureship uh, with uh, scholarship money from that auction. Uh, we will work as usual on Wednesday, February the 7th in the lectureship kitchen, and uh, we will carry our vegetable uh, beef soup ready to serve. So uh, please keep that in mind, and we'll probably say more about that on Sunday. Uh, our men's breakfast is this coming Sunday at 8 o'clock in the Annex. I hope our men will plan to participate in that. And then our food pantry will open up a week from tomorrow, uh, February the 8th. And we need your help, if you can, in that regard. I believe that's all the announcements that I have. No, I've got one more here. Uh, please sign the list in the foyer if you plan to attend the Valentine's banquet that's scheduled on February the 10th. This is for anyone 55 and up. So sign that list in the foyer if you plan to attend that. For our devotional tonight, Anthony Acock is gonna be leading our singing. Uh, Brother Chris Langley will present our devotional thoughts and uh, Guy Gardner will close our minds with a prayer. Let's now begin. Mark number 903 for invitation. Number 903. Then turn to number 874. Eight seventy-four. Ready? Walking along here in the skies above.
Good evening. I had a, a prayer, but I worked it into my um, lesson tonight. Uh, I have a co-worker that has uh, a mother who has had a stroke. Uh, her name is uh, Martha Wise, or Martha Mize. Uh, she's here locally. Her, her daughter is a co-worker of mine, Angie Mize Womble. And uh, she just asked for the prayers as uh, they're dealing with that and some other complications with it. I was thinking of her, and uh, there's been a lot of changes that she's had to go through after one, one struggle after another. Uh, it's just things that just keeps changing, right? And, you know, we like to think to say that the more things change, the more they stay the same, but that's not really true, right? Well, as they say, tomorrow is a new day. That's a change. And it's also a new month. And actually, I think it kicks off a new quarter. So we're going to have changes there, too. So it's just change all the time. Uh, it's something we deal with every day in our lives. In fact, when uh, we got the call that we were going to move to Boonville uh, several years ago, uh, I was talking with my boss in the Memphis area. and. I was concerned about the continuity of what was going on because we hadn't, didn't, we only had one finance person in our entire group for the entire plant, and I was worried about it. And he said, "Chris, don't worry, it's just change." Sometimes we get bent out of shape on things that change, even th things that are good. There's something good going on in my my company right now, and I'm having a little bit of struggle dealing with that change. You know, it's been about three years even uh, that, no, in the past five years, I've been working where I work now, and most of y'all know our company. It's been here for a long time, and in those five years, the name has changed three times. Same company, right? It hasn't been bought out. <laughs> it's just the same company. It's just changed, and we have to get through with it. Well, one thing we kind of wonder about is if everything changes, what can we count on? About the only thing we can really count on in this world is God's promises are true. Toward the end of the Old Testament, the last book of the Old Testament, God reminded his people through the prophet uh, Malachi in chapter 3 and verse 6. He said, I am the Lord. I do not change. He reminded them, and you, children of Jacob, have not perished. They were thinking that through all this stuff, has the promises true? Here's God reminding them that they were true. And then in Luke 24, around verse 20, 29, after uh, Jesus appear, appeared to the disciples on the way to Emmaus, it's about seven miles outside of Jerusalem, it's real near. Jerusalem, uh, Jesus just appeared to them. And the interesting thing about that was they didn't recognize who he was until they got to the village where they were going, and then they realized that he was planning to go further. But they implored with him, say, after being taught, he was taught, teaching them from the scriptures, and said, abide with us. They, they compelled him to stay. He stayed, and until he, they went into their house and he reclined with them on, you know, when he was inside, they then recognized him. How interesting is that? that we don't understand that we're abiding with Christ until we're actually abiding with him. The encouraging thing that we can take from today 
is revealed to us in Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We sing a song often in the span of time. We probably haven't sang it here in a while. But I was in Western Kentucky University and we was uh, listening to a sermon there and the, the speaker brought out the second verse. He said, I love this song, but I really love the second verse. Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay and all around I see. O thou who changes not, abide with me. The question tonight is, are you abiding in Christ? If you're not abiding in Christ, what's the reason for that? Is it because you've never received his invitation? Have you never answered his invitation? Or if you have, you've wandered away. You need to invite him back into the house as those disciples did on the road to Emmaus. Whatever your wishes are, please act on those wishes tonight as we have the opportunity as we stand and sing. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you allow us, a body of believers, to come together in the middle of the week and to be still and to listen to your word and to learn. We're so thankful for Chris tonight and his lesson and that reminder, God, that you are the same yesterday, today, and you will be so tomorrow. Please help us to abide in your word and your will as we move forward. And please forgive us from where we failed you. In Jesus' name, amen. As our teachers leave for class, we'll sing the first verse of number 859.
I've got some more that want to come down and help me pass out these. Man, our middle section just cleaned out, didn't it? You want, all right, you want to you can start on that side if you will with this, and then I'm, I'll get two more to come down here and get these two sides. Get the middle with this one, and I'll start this one. I could put these on a PowerPoint, but I, I'd want you to have something to take with you, if it's all right. <clears throat> if anybody needs some kindling for the fire, these will be available after services down here. <clears throat> if you want them. Let's go ahead and get started tonight because of a uh, lack of time. This is our last time to meet. I, I meant to mention in the announcements, I didn't have it written down, but John Pig is going to be here with us, right, Ken, next Wednesday night. So adult classes will all meet in the auditorium next Wednesday night to hear his good uh, report. So please keep that in mind. So I guess our first quarter on the Wednesday night won't be in class. We'll be listening to a mission report, and that's always encouraging to me. All right, tonight we want to talk about fear. Fear has to be conquered in our lives if we want to live meaningful lives. 
Now, the problem of fear, I think, is far more of a serious threat to making our lives meaningful than many are willing to admit, uh, even to themselves. Uh, this is a problem that's experienced in the lives of many on a daily basis. Fear keeps us from doing many things that we could be doing and should be doing. Uh, the presence of fear, uh, the problem of fear has been and continues to be the cause of many failures in almost every area of life. You know, because of fear, uh, sometimes we don't make the kind of decisions that we need to make. Uh, fear has kept people from advancing because they're afraid that things just might not turn out the way that they want them to. You know, anybody that has been successful has to overcome the fear of failing, don't they? Uh, the only way to be successful is, first of all, to fail, but never give up in what you're trying to do. You know, fear has had a negative influence upon the thinking of many people. You know, think about our lives even religiously for just a moment. Our religious lives have come under the powerful influence of fear so that many have become impossibility thinkers instead of possibility thinkers. We've allowed fear in the Lord's church to keep us from doing many things that we could do to advance the cause of Christ, right? Uh, maybe as a church, as a group, uh, our fear keeps us from uh, doing things that we know that we probably could do, but maybe for whatever reason, we fear. Maybe we fear we're not going to be able to financially be able to provide for a particular work we want to be involved in. Individually, I think fear is a big reason why people don't become more involved in telling others about Jesus Christ, right? You know, you kind of got to inconvenience yourself just a little bit, right? And put yourself in a situation that may be somewhat uncomfortable if you're going to talk to a friend or a coworker or a neighbor, or even a family member about Jesus Christ. And many times, maybe we fear what the reaction might be, right? Or maybe we fear that we'll say the wrong thing, or we fear that we'll do the wrong thing. And so what happens? We don't do anything at all. So the, the situation they're in, lost in sin, is where they still are, right? You know, they're still in the same place because we could not overcome our fear. You know, it takes a lot of stamina, I think, on an individual's part to let their concern for maybe a wayward member of the Lord's church to go talk to somebody about their soul. We fear maybe what they might say to us, or we fear that maybe it'll be taken the wrong way. And so many times we, we don't reach out to our erring brethren those that have gone astray because of fear. And so we say, well, let somebody else do it, not me. Now, I know we live in a time where people in general are self-oriented. That's one characteristic of our culture today. People are self-oriented. What's in it for me? But it's not just that. I, I think legitimate fear 
keeps people from doing things they ought to do to advance the Lord's kingdom. I need to ask myself right now, am I an impossibility thinker or am I a possibility thinker? Now, if you were to go back and look at some of the people that became followers of Christ, let's say in the New Testament, it would shock you today, right, before they became a Christian. Who would ever have thought that the Apostle Paul would have been a good prospect for Christ? I wouldn't. They were so afraid of him. They were scared to death of him. You see, we don't have the right to allow fear and other things to keep us from approaching somebody just because we think that they won't be accepting of what we've got to say. Uh, it's not ours to decide that. Peter certainly would have never been a good prospect in the minds of many people, and yet look what he accomplished for the Lord. And so we need to think about fear, and we have to overcome fear if we're going to live meaningful lives. Now, people have come to fear many things in their lives. Some fear failure, right? And because of a fear of failure, they don't even try to succeed. Others fear success because they don't want the added responsibility that comes with success. Some fear responsibility and shirk it. Some fear the future because, you know, they can't control it. Some fear other people because they're afraid that they're going to be disappointed or they're going to be betrayed or hurt or criticized by them. And the list of things feared by one person or another is without limit. Now, the second page I gave you, and I'm not going to spend hardly any time on this, but I wanted you to have it. If you Google phobias, fears that people have, it's amazing. This list is amazing. I underlined just a few of them here, if I can read this. Uh, acrophobia is the fear of heights. Anybody afraid of heights? I'm not so much like I used to be. Uh, let me see here. Uh, astrophobia is the fear of thunder and lightning. My dogs have that. I know that. Uh, Atichophobia is the fear of failure, it says here. Let me move on to the bees. Bacteriophobia is the fear of bacteria. Now, you know, I may be a germaphobe, but, you know, I wash my hands when I need to and I just I want to avoid the germs, but I don't know if I'm I'd be considered that. Uh, a bathmophobia is the fear of stairs or steep slopes. Bibliophobia is the fear of books. I might have had a little of that in school. Uh, Cassophobia is the fear of ugliness. Hmm. I guess these folks couldn't look in the mirror, could they, when they get up in the morning? Uh, let me see here. Chromatophobia is the fear of spending money. I wish, you know, maybe some of us need to have more of that than we do. Uh, cyberphobia is the fear of food. I certainly need a dose of that. You know, if they could put that in a pill, you know, that would probably help me out a little bit. Uh... Colophobia is the fear of clowns. Now, you know, clowns, you know, they, they star in horror movies sometime. Uh, Sinophobia is the fear of dogs. We kept little uh, Dakota today for two or three hours, and we had to put our dogs up. He's scared to death of dogs, you know, even when they bark, you know, he just, he, he's just scared to death of them. 
Uh, if I could have some time with him with my little Darla, he'd be all right, I think. We'd get him over that. Uh, elephobia is the fear of cats. Entophobia is the fear of insects. Epiphobia is the fear of teenagers. Any of your parents got that? You know, you can probably develop that over time, don't you? Gamophobia is the fear of marriage. Now, some people might need to fear that. Uh, heliophobia is the fear of the sun. Hemophobia is the fear of blood. Some people just faint at their own set of blood. I'm not going to read all these on the back. Uh, hydrophobia is the fear of water. Lilophobia is the fear of tornadoes and hurricanes. Misophobia is the fear of dirt and germs. Nomophobia is the fear of uh, being out without your mobile phone. You know, I'll get that sometimes. It's like, you know, you lost your arm or your leg if you don't have it, you know. Okay. Huh? Uh, Hippopotamos of fear of long words. Right? So you can read that if somebody wants to come up with that. I'm not going to, what I did, I just gave that to you to illustrate that there is a world of fears out there, right? There's a world of phobias. Fear is something that affects all of us in some way or another. And our making our lives more meaningful by conquering our fears demands that we understand those things that we are supposed to fear and those things that we are not to fear. Now let's talk about that. The Bible clearly teaches that we are to fear God. And uh, I'm going to look at some verses, and these verses should be on your news, on your paper today. Uh, fearing God. The Bible teaches clearly that we must fear God. Why? Psalms 96 verse 4, for the Lord is great, greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Psalms 111 and verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we're talking about godly wisdom there. Unless I have a fear of God, you know, the Bible says, behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. Unless I have that respectful fear of God, then I'm not going to be inclined to hear his wisdom. Psalms 147 and 11, the Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him. And we're not talking about, you know, uh, the abuse that a a parent might exert on a child and the fear that child has of, of that kind of abuse. We're not talking about that kind of fear. We're talking about a respect, uh, being in awe uh, of someone uh, such as God. Uh, Proverbs 8 and verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. See, the only way I as a disciple of, and follower of God can come to hate sin and hate evil is because I fear God. I hate sin because God hates it. I despise sin because God despises sin. I hate sin because God sent his son and sacrificed him for our sins. And so uh, if I fear God, I will hate sin. On the other hand, if I don't have the fear of God I need to have, and I'm going to be more inclined to give in to that which is evil. And of course, we're familiar with uh, Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. And I think you tie those two together. Fearing God 
leads directly to keeping his commandments. You have to have one and the other. Now, the Bible also clearly teaches that we're not to allow fear of other people to keep us from serving him faithfully. In Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, Be not afraid of them that kill the body, but after that have no more than they can do. Why should we not fear those that kill the body, but that's all they can do? Why? Can't destroy our soul. There's no ultimate tragedy that can happen to a Christian, right? You know, nothing can take away my relationship with God and my eternal home in heaven except me myself. You can do anything to me that you want to, even kill me. You may destroy my physical body, but you can't take away uh, my relationship with God. And so Jesus made it very clear, you ought not fear those that even have the power to take your life. In Hebrews 11, uh, 13 and verse 6, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And how many times have we allowed fear of what somebody else may do or say or think about us to keep us from faithfully serving the Lord? And so we do not allow fear of others to prevent our serving the Lord in an acceptable manner. And I think it should be apparent to everyone that the fears that are common to us uh, in the affairs of our daily lives, uh, these fears are tools that are used by Satan to hinder us from doing the will of God. Uh, as Christians, we are to walk by faith and not by sight. What does that mean? Well, it means we are to live our lives based on faith, not on what we can see, not based upon what we can observe the outcome uh, being. We walk and do what God says because God said to do it without even considering what the outcome may be. It's like what Job said long ago. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And so we walk by faith and not by sight. We do what God says. We put our lives into his hands. We are obedient to him regardless of the consequences. Because the worst case scenario for us is we get to go to heaven. In Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 22, we read about how that the people saw the boldness of Peter and John. And <clears throat> they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. They are unlearned and ignorant, right? But see, they had great threats uh, that were pressed upon them. We don't want you to speak or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. They knew their very lives were at stake. But that didn't keep Peter saying, and from Acts chapter 5, we ought to obey God rather than men. And, uh, you know, that's what we're talking about when we talk about fear. Now, I want us to turn our attention and look at some examples of when this problem was fe uh, fear was faced in the lives of people, the successes that they had, the failures in dealing with this particular problem. Uh, if I were to ask you to think about how fear in biblical times kept people from doing God's will, you probably could come up with various examples. And I'm going to mention just a few uh, tonight. 
the first one that stands out to me is the uh, ten spies. The story of how the spies were sent out in Numbers chapter 13. And, you know, they demonstrated a lack of faith in God by the negative report that they bought. They brought. Uh, those spies came back and, you know, they talked about the greatness of the inhabitants of this land. They said, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We are not able to go up against them. Now, we kind of look back then from our standpoint today, and we can see the foolishness of such, can't we? We can see the results. Do we do the same thing today? Are there circumstances wherein we allow things to get too big for us to serve God? We allow problems in life. We allow our anxieties and worries to keep us from doing the things for God that we need to do. Are we like the 10 spies and those that believe their report sometimes in how we react to various situations in life? Now, we know that Joshua and Caleb, in contrast to the 10 spies, they gave a positive report. They expressed great faith in God, and they said, we are well able to take it. Let's go up and once and take the land. And yet, because of the failure and the people believing the fearful report of the ten spies, that nation had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until every person over the age 21 had died except Joshua and Caleb. There's an example there where fear kept them from submitting to God's will. Had they not seen what God done in the past? Had they not seen how God brought them out of Egyptian bondage with a mighty and powerful hand? Had they not witnessed firsthand uh, the miraculous way that God allowed them to pass through the Red Sea and he destroyed the Egyptian army uh, as the waters uh, roll back up on that powerful army army uh, had they not seen how god provided for them manna from heaven water from the rock god had proved himself over and over again and yet in spite of that when it came down to it they didn't believe think about the army of israel under the leadership of gideon they also experienced these problems when they were sent to fight the midianites in judges chapter 7 Verses 3 through 8. Now, the army of Israel originally numbered 32,000 soldiers. But their enemy far outnumbered them. And God in no way wanted Israel to even think about the idea that they had won the victory by their own strength. He just didn't want that to happen. So he revealed a process by which the size of this 32,000-man army could be reduced. In verse 3, God said, Now therefore go and proclaim to the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful, whoever is afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people 22,000, and there remained 10,000. You know, God didn't condemn these folks for their being fearful. In this particular situation, uh, the odds were already heavily against Gideon in the beginning, so far as his military strength goes. But now Gideon's army had been reduced by two-thirds. 
32,000 down to 10,000. And God even revealed a further way to reduce the army of Gideon. And eventually, it was just 300 men. And what happened? God gave them a very decisive victory over the tremendously powerful forces of the Midianites. You know, there was no doubt. Israel knew the source of their victory. They had no doubt whatsoever that God was with them and God helped them overcome the victory. And, you know, even though they believed in Jesus Christ, think about the chief rulers of the Jews over in John chapter 12. They were afraid, they were fearful to confess their faith in Christ because of peer pressure. How many times are we afraid to speak a word for Christ because we fear what somebody may say to us or think about us? How many times are young people today afraid to, to do what's right and stand up against the crowd when it comes to the moral issues that, that plague our youth today, whether it's alcohol or drugs? I, I, I'm just sickened. The more I'm, I'm here, I'm sickened by the destruction that drugs are doing to our youth today. It just breaks my heart. It, it makes me angry, and yet more, more part of me is sad when I, I see the destruction that drugs have done to our youth and families. But you know what? Most of the time, that first use of drugs, that experimental use of drugs was done because of fear. Fear to not go along with the crowd. Fear to not be accepted. And we need to understand that fear keeps us from doing what God would have us to do. And think about these chief priests here in John chapter 12. The Bible says, nevertheless, among the chief rulers, many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they wouldn't confess him. Why? They loved the prayer. They were afraid they'd be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Here were chief priests. Here were some leaders in Israel that believed that Jesus was what he claimed to be, but they in no way would acknowledge it by their words and their actions because of how it would be viewed by all those others in leadership positions. They took pride in their place in the religious circles of the day, and they didn't want to relinquish, relinquish that in any way. And they feared the power of public opinion against them. Uh, they allowed that fear uh, to prevent them from knowing the blessing of confessing their faith in Christ. You know, this kind of fear, I believe, it's what Paul warned against in Romans 12 and verse 2. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, we're not to be fashioned according to the mold of this world. And if we're going to avoid that, if we're going to avoid the pressure to conform, we have to overcome fear. I think about Felix too. Over in Acts chapter 24 and verse 25, we read how Paul stood before Felix and his wife, Drusilla. He was on trial for his life, and the Bible says he 
preached about righteousness, temperance, self-control, and judgment to come. And Peter, Paul's preaching was so powerful on that occasion that Felix trembled. Let me tell you, whenever you can teach a lesson or preach a sermon that causes people to, to tremble, you struck the right chord, hadn't you? You said something right. And you think about Felix and his reaction. Because of fear, he said, Paul, go your way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for you. But according to the scriptures and according to what we know, that convenient season never came. Felix knew he was wrong. He knew that. He lived a sinful life. However, the fear of facing up to his life on that occasion apparently was soon forgotten. And as a result of fear, he didn't make his life right. Think about the one talent man that allowed his fear of his master to prevent him from uh, trying to succeed in the master's service. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, this man received a talent from his master. Now we know that uh, two other men received talents. One received five, the other two, but this man received one. And uh, this man, what did he do? He went out and what? He buried his talent in the ground. And at his accounting with the master, he confessed that he realized the power of his master. He said, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you have not strawed. And because this man, this one talent man, was afraid of failure, he hid that talent and trusted into his hands in the earth. And he had to give an account of that. And because he hid the talent and did not use it, the talent had been a benefit to absolutely no one. You know, had this talent been used, it would have been a blessing to those who had been touched by it. Had this particular talent been used, the master's good would have been increased. Had this particular talent been used, the servant who had received it and who was responsible for it would have been rewarded. But he was fearful, wasn't he? He was fearful of those things that really weren't even true. Fear caused him to not use the talent that he was given. Now, it doesn't matter if a person's a five-talent person or a two- or a one-talent person. Fear can keep us from using our talents in the Lord's kingdom. And because fear allowed him to limit his abilities, he was condemned by the master. Now, I want to close out tonight. We've got about ten minutes. What's the remedy for this problem of fear? How can I overcome being fearful. Now the Bible says the fearful shall have their part in what? That lake that, lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Uh, I can't be fearful and go to heaven when I die. I've got to overcome it somehow. And I need to look at my life. I need to look in the mirror and think about some things that I fear. Why am I not doing this or that in the Lord's service? You know, we uh, have a great Lads to Leaders program here, I believe, here at Boonville, don't we? You know, we try to teach these young people uh, in the things that they do to overcome things like fear. You know, like when these young men get up and 
do their speeches. I remember when I preached my first lesson when I was 12 years old. I remember it till this day. Uh, the fear I had in my heart, you know. Uh, but the only way to overcome fear is to what? Got to face it, right? You got to face your fear. You've got to be willing, in spite of that fear, to do what you think that you need to do and ought to do. You know, the Bible says, To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And uh, we don't need to allow fear to keep us from doing that which we know we ought to be doing. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of times that fear keeps us from accomplishing great things. I'm convinced that there's a lot of people, young people in school, that maybe they think they're not good at math, right? Maybe they've been told that. But if they put forth the effort, they could be good at it, couldn't they? Uh, every great preacher that I've ever heard has told the story about how fearful they were, how afraid they were when they first began preaching the gospel. And so we have to overcome our fears and face our fears. In evangelism, we have to overcome those fears. Now, how did I do that? Well, in order for our lives to be meaningful, we've got to apply the remedy God has prescribed and revealed for us. Now, first of all, I want to mention the fact that fear is conquered by faith. Fear is conquered by faith. And so what should we do? Well, we need to build and strengthen our faith. Faith is the way that, that we overcome fear. Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, verse 17. Think about Psalms uh, 46 and verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. No matter what happens around us, we're not going to fear. The Bible says in Psalms Chapter 112 and verse 7, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. The heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. That reminds me of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, where we're to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We're not allowing fear of other things to get us off track here. Our heart is fixed. We are steadfast. We are immovable. We're trusting in the Lord in all things. Remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your steps. I know you believe in God. You wouldn't be here tonight, but do you trust God? Do you trust God's going to get you through those difficult times that sometimes seem so overwhelming? We all face different problems, don't we? Family problems, financial crisis comes our way. We live in an uncertain time in an uncertain world in many, many respects. And if we get caught up in all the things going on around us, it's easy for us to, to lose heart. And yet the Bible says, let's not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, we will reap if we don't lose heart. See, it's the one that endures to the end that shall be saved. You know, one can have a fantastic beginning to something and never cross the finish line. It's enduring. It's keeping on keeping on. It's trusting God. It's building our faith 
and letting our faith live out in our everyday lives. So fear is one way that we, I should say faith is one way that we overcome fear. Fear is also conquered by love. Think about those two words, faith and love. Fear is conquered by faith. Fear is conquered by love. And so we must develop and demonstrate our love for God in our actions, in our thoughts, and in our words. Now, I want you to think about this. You may think, what does love have to do with overcoming fear? 1 John 4 and verse 8, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. You know, if my child were in a burning building, you think you could keep me out of that? What would motivate me to face the fear of running into that fiery building? Love I have for my child, wouldn't it? The love I have for that child would cause me to do anything to save that child. I don't know if you read the story here. I forgot where it was. Uh, one of the northern states, the father lost his life uh, trying to get his four-year-old son. They both fell through the ice, but he made sure his son was rescued. But he ultimately went under the ice himself, and they retrieved his body later on. What kept him uh, fixed on the idea of, I'm going to save my child no matter what. It's love. Love overcomes fear. If I have a love for the lost, if I love you, and I know you're lost, what's going to keep me from doing everything I can to prevent you from being lost? What would you think if I had the cure for cancer? Or there was a doctor that had the cure for cancer. He never told anybody. What would you think about that man? Oh, he ought to go to prison, right? They ought to execute him. You know, uh, we have the remedy for sin. And the only thing that's going to cause me to reach out and share that remedy is love for those that are lost. If I've got a dear friend and that friend is not a Christian, I need to do everything within my power to make sure that I warn him and tell him what he must do in order to be saved. Love is something that overcomes fear. You know, in Romans chapter 8, Paul describes the power and strength of love, uh, the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And he tells us that nothing is powerful enough to separate us from the love of God. And we, therefore, should not be fearful, but rather we should glory in the love that God the Father has demonstrated toward us. You know, because of what God has done for me, because he loved me so much that he gave his son, then I love him. And I overcome fears that I have in serving him because of my love for him. And so we can make our lives more meaningful when we promote the growth of faith and love for God through a greater dedication and a commitment of ourselves to him. And as God has revealed the remedy for fear in his word, the Bible, we need to love the word. We need to study it. We need to become uh, better acquainted with the great strength that's available to us through that word. And we need to submit to the will of God by showing our love for him. Love will motivate us to obey his will <clears throat> and to do what he says. And so... As we bring this series to a close, I hope you'll think about 
all the various things that we've talked about in regard to having a meaningful life. Try to work on these things. I know these lessons have helped me uh, immeasurably as I reflect on these things as well. There's a couple of three lessons I'd like to present on having a meaningful life we just didn't have time to get to. But I hope these will suffice. I appreciate so much the way y'all listened and participated in class. And uh, I look forward to being here on Wednesday night again. I guess I shouldn't have said that uh, so you'd come back. But anyhow, uh, thank y'all for being here tonight.